everyone. Welcome back to But Why Love Podcast. And today we are revisiting an episode from the past, episode 10 to be exact, pro wrestling. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And our special guest from the Ready Comics Roll Podcast, Anthony. Hey. 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 <laughs> I, didn't know what else, I didn't know I was supposed to say anything more than that. He was waiting for his music to drop and he was waiting for the pop. We were supposed to go crazy. We we we, we let you down there, buddy. I'm sorry. There was no glass breaking. I didn't yeah. get to like stomp out. <laughs> um, so I mean it's kind of you probably already know this. You clicked on this, you've listened to us for a while. Adrian is gonna be doing the pro wrestling because he is the most qualified of all of us to talk about it. Yeah, um, and just like we did for episode 10, we brought in a expert of pro wrestling, um, and because uh, he was so gracious enough to let me come on his uh, podcast to talk about WrestleMania 35 and talk about all the crazy stuff that was going on, we had to have him for our revisit. Um, again, this is a revisit from episode 10. That's like two years ago, which is forever ago. The note says uh, WrestleMania 33. Yeah, this thing says WrestleMania 33 from uh, Kate's old intro. If you've never heard it, you need to go listen to it because it is amazing. And I can do it again. I'm, I'm going to make her do it again because it's so good. <laughs> You're going to be like, whoa, why doesn't Kate do these all the time? And one, because it's kind of hard to come up with something clever for every episode. Like, how do you do that for like a Steven Hillenberg episode? But for WrestleMania kind of stuff, it works. Okay, I got to get, in, get into, the, into the right mind frame. How did I do that? Okay. Welcome back to But Why Though, the podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? In today's episode, we're covering the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. We're smelling what The Rock is cooking, and since this is a podcast, you can't see me. That's right, gearing up for WrestleMania 35. This weekend, we're talking about professional wrestling, and that's the bottom line, because But Why Though, the podcast said so. Yeah. How come was- I don't get that? I don't know. I don't get that cake. That wasn't even I mean- on this podcast. We did that. Oh, I yeah, get like. You- <laughs> I just get welcome to the podcast. Start talking, the people. Podcast. Shut up while I talk. Yeah, we need to throw in some like glass breaking or something like that after you finish that because that was that was good. That was solid. Just insert John Cena music there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but we're gonna put we're gonna put in the thugonomics one. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're gonna do there. So since our last episode means two years, it might not seem like a lot, but a lot of stuff has happened in kind of not just like the WWE community, but just kind of the, the pro wrestling community in general, you know, concerning things about um, healthcare discussions for WWE. Uh, they're just coming off of one of their most historic WrestleManias in WWE history. And then we have things like the re- recently founded All Elite Wrestling, you know, the team up of Ring of, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I thought it'd just be a really good time to kind of revisit, to kind of catch people up and talk about the important things that are going on, not just for WWE, because we really focused on that a whole bunch in our first episode, but just kind of other things in general. Uh, well, just, want, yeah. Well, I was going to say, before we quite get started, I want to know why Anthony's on this podcast. So can Anthony tell us why you're here? Did you not listen to our podcast episode for WrestleMania 35? No, I did not listen to that podcast. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just messing around anyways. But yes, uh, longtime fan of wrestling, not just WWE, also WCW, uh, a little bit on Ring of Honor, which is uh, what the brand that typically works with New Japan Wrestling and where a lot of the stars from AEW are actually coming from. And also probably one of my favorite promotions that was kind of started by Robert Rodriguez. It, uh, it's um, 
Lucha, Lucha Underground. Underground? Yes. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. That that after uh, after after Eddie Guerrero uh, and like all, I guess it was like right after Chris Benoit passed away. That was like those are like the two big moments that I can remember from like the time that I watched wrestling. I but I have binged all of Lucha Underground when it was on Netflix because it was awesome. It's, it is amazing to me. It's like a combination of one of my favorite uh, fighting games, uh, Def Jam Fight for New York and professional wrestling it's like the two things that i love and just put them into one amalgamation of awesomeness can we uh just stop this episode and go do a why does def jam fight for new york matter because i just got <laughs> I, a I'm lot all of feels <laughs> i'm all for it i just brought back a lot of feels um and just because a disclaimer just because i want to make sure we make it known because as a former um you know greco-roman wrestler some wrestling people have a problem with calling like just saying oh that's wrestling like pro wrestling not the same as greco-roman freestyle etc and we understand this as a podcast and a community um and if Which you're just like Adrian's word for it, I have no idea what any of that means <laughs> like you know like olympic style wrestling like you know actual wrestling i can't say actual wrestling either right but like i don't know Adrian's gonna get added so you much get, you by can add everybody me. i'm a former <laughs> wrestler i've won state championships i don't care at me um and then oh. just just the kind of like entertainment we're going to talk about if you haven't listened to episode 10 uh, professional re- wrestling is just an entertainment involving wrestling matches whose progress outcome are typically planned in advance and are between performers and established character roles Character roles usually involve a face or the good guy and the heel, the bad guy uh, against each other in different matches. There's a whole bunch of other terms um, that we won't really get into too much because it'll just take too much time of explaining like what all of these things are. I'm not even going to say them because then we're going to start explaining them. Uh, But that's typically, you know, what it is. Um, And we've kind of already talked about it with um, Anthony's answer. But like, what is your guys's connection to pro wrestling? Um, either now or previous, and if you stopped watching, kind of like, why did you stop watching? It's kind of our um, intro question for today. And we'll start with Matt, even though I already kind of know his answer. Pro wrestling to me has always been something I thought was fake. And I, the only thing I know about it is basically they had the suck it thing when I grew up. I've never really watched it. And so I didn't really start. And so there was nowhere to stop. It's a thing. People enjoy it. We're here inserts the it's real to me damn it video uh, uh here um what about you kate i know you talked a little bit about it about the uh, lucha underground and uh, the ghettos but like what anything else did you want to add yeah i mean so growing up in san antonio which is a predominantly latino and, and specifically mexican-american city and going to a high school that was majority latino and black like for some reason wrestling was just like wrestling was everything. So if, if you were going to have conversations with people, you had to know wrestling. Like, I, I don't know why, because I, 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 cause I don't, I don't think I talked about this on the, on the first time I visited it, but I knew you were going to ask this question. So I tried to think about like why I actually started watching wrestling in the first place. And I, I it was really to just have conversation with my friends at the time because they were wearing Rey Mysterio shirts and they had the, um, uh, they like the Latino heat shirts and like all this stuff. So like, I I've kind of been surrounded by it. And, and I remember being younger and watching Lucha fights. So like, I've been into Lucha because of my grandpa, um, especially like El Santo and stuff like that. Like I've, I've known the Lucha side, but so far as like pro wrestling, like WWE, WWF, all that stuff. 
um, it was it was because it was kind of like it was the language that all of my friends spoke in and the majority of my high school and like middle school spoken. So it was kind of one of those things like if you weren't watching Monday Night Raw, then like you you didn't have stuff to talk about really because they were they were just really, really in love with it. Um, and so I specifically watched it for like Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. And I was also like, I was a crappy person and really liked Randy Orton. I remember thinking he was hot. So I was in love with him and I stand by it. Um, know nothing that that man has done. So I really hope he hasn't done anything terrible because that's the world we live in now. But yeah, that, that's just kind of it. Like I, I just fell out of it because I, I didn't really have a connection beyond like talking with those friends. And when like I kind of stopped talking to those friends to get like really hungered down, like in, um, like in getting in academics and stuff like that, I really didn't see a point of watching anymore because it really didn't, it didn't grab me. And I think at that point, like there wasn't a lot of like the, the, the Latinx people like wrestling after at least that I saw most of the time. Um, so I just like, it, there wasn't anything to ground me in it. And I didn't like any of the divas like at all. Um, so that's why I left, but I, I, does it count? So I'm not going to say I'm a fan of wrestling because I believe that you're, you're not a fan of something unless you actually consume the media of that thing. But I am a fan of the memes. And I feel like if I watched wrestling, I would love uh, Becky Lynch because I just know her through the memes and stuff. And I just think it's really cool that she's called the bad. And there's that really awesome picture of blood on her face. And then Asuka. Like, those are two people that, like, I just know because of how much they pop up on my timeline and how much people love them. Um, so I'm, I know the bad, and then, like, all the wrestling memes, which I come on my timeline so much. But, yeah, I'm not a wrestling fan anymore outside of Lucha Underground, but I love the memes. No, it's great. Um, a lot of, like, what you said, especially with, like, Becky Lynch and Asuka is kind of like what we're going to talk about a little bit later and kind of what's happened since we've talked about this last time. Uh, so yeah, just so keep that in the back burner because I think a lot of people are getting back into it because of you know the Oscars and the Becky Lynch's of the WWE. Um, Anthony, I know you said that you're a big fan of like all of these promotions and things like that, but like where did it start for you? What was your what was your catalyst? Way back when, my dad actually is the person that got me into wrestling at a very early age. I want to say back when I was around like even four or five years old. Uh, the first promotion and last promotion I actually ever went to see live was actually the WWF back when they were called WWF uh, in your ha in your house 12 which actually took place in West Palm Beach and it was actually well, the highlight match of that was Undertaker versus the Executioner in an Armageddon style match so as far back as even just then and my dad would even just show me like VHS tapes and just uh, other videos of just older WWF even like one of the crazier matches that are of course are also well known being the Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan match, where nobody thought he'd be able to go ahead and lift him up and, and slam him, and yet he did. I mean, he jumped, but still. <laughs> I have a question. <clears throat> I know what Armageddon means. What is an Armageddon match? An Armageddon match was... <laughs> it was really just an old Holden's Bars match, but they called it an Armageddon match because they, they were trying to make it seem like it was the end of days, given it was The Undertaker, who's an undead wizard... <laughs> as a joke of course and then the executioner was supposed to be like the the bringer of the end of days 
So oh, it was really just the hype. Was the guy in that one horror movie, right? The bold um, guy? Or is no, it the wrong one? No, that no, was, that was not, um, that was not Kane. That's his brother. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay. So okay. I have at least some cultural references. <laughs> no, this is way, way back when. This is like, uh, I actually think this was, not, yeah, it was 96. 96 was when this happened. So as far back as then, and just uh, I've been on and off uh, off ever since. I think the moment I stopped watching uh, wrestling, or especially WWE, for a little while, is the storyline where Mae Young gave birth to Mark Henry's child on air, and it was a hand. At that point, I'm just like, I washed my hands of this foolishness, never again. And I got back into wrestling uh, hardcore almost as, as much as when I first started about four or five years ago. I actually think, yeah, about four or five years ago, besides other promotions. Kate's Kate's face was very confused um, for our listeners at home. She does not know what that is. Um, I don't want to know what that yeah, is. I don't think she can even like frame a reference. You want to talk about some horror? There you go. <laughs> Keep in mind, Mae Young is uh, quite old, even during that storyline. And yes, nothing of that made any sense. It was clearly wrong. That's back when Mark Henry was known as uh, sexual chocolate. Yes, that just shows WWE and their horrible writing sometimes, especially during that time period. <laughs> so I know why they made comics off the WWE now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind of on and off like since I was like a kid. Um, more off than on in the last few years just because I, um, you know, just Mondays, man, that's, that's a long time to sit there and watch uh wwe monday and tuesday and to keep up with nxt and like you know 205 live so i usually just kind of catch like the big recaps of like all the matches so i'm caught up by the time the uh pay-per-views come around just because it's, it's a, that's a big time investment and a lot of like the old guard are leaving and i just i just can't go through the emotional roller coaster of getting reinvested in people uh but yeah i kind of like kate was saying i mean i grew up in el paso where Eddie Guerrero was born. So like when he died in 2005, you want to talk about like a thing that struck our city in 2000. Like everyone was crying. All my friends were crying. So what was bigger, him dying or Selena for San Antonio? Are you comparing like city, like city pain to city pain? Yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I mean, for El Paso it was definitely Eddie. Well, I think that's what he's saying. Like, was the El Paso pain for Eddie bigger than the San Antonio pain for Selena? <laughs> I'm assuming they're equivalent. Yeah, I'm gonna say they're equivalent. We we don't we don't fight Brown versus Brown in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, make a joke. Yeah, so for like you know, in, in the same thing, like in middle school and you know, early parts of high school, everyone was talking about, you know, that match that happened, you know, or the pay-per-view that happened on Sunday. We talk about it on Monday and kind of go from there. So I've been kind of a fan for for a while um i see it as like my uh my weekly soap a lot of the times and then on pay-per-views i like i'll make my wife sit down and watch them with me and then sometimes she'll get invested sometimes she won't just depending on what's going on so i think we will kind of get into some brief history now um we did a kind of pretty in-depth recap of like the history and kind of like the background of professional wrestling in episode 10 so we talked about things dating back to like its earliest forms in the 19th century france to kind of the different forms it would take in other countries um through kind of like the early 1950s when we start having the formation of confederations like the national wrestling alliance nwa 
uh, not to be confused with the rap group. Um, the start of basically the McMahon takeover with the creation of Capital Wrestling Corporation. And then we kind of finished it off with the WWF basically taking over WCW and ECW in the 2000s and kind of forming the WWE after losing the uh, the, the WWF battle for licensing for that. Um, so if you want a kind of more in-depth history, you can definitely go check that out. Uh, but however, we focus mainly on the WWE. So we only really briefly mentioned things like NXT and New Japan Pro Wrestling and Lucha Underground, etc. Uh, so later on in kind of the why those, we'll kind of talk about what they've been doing and kind of how they've been kind of making a big push to kind of actually compete against the WWE in the last couple of years or so. Yeah, so it's basically what we're going to go with through the thing. So don't. this might be the first time we ever get through a brief history in less than like 15 minutes because I'm ready to start going to the Bawai and start having some conversations. But first, we have some... Uh... I do have a question for you. Though. Yeah. So do they actually hold the WWF like trademark or anything? Because I just know it as like the World like, Wildlife Foundation. Yeah, they lost it to the World Wildlife Foundation. That's okay, why they changed that's their name. I, was like, I only know World Wildlife Yeah, that's right. You were... You weren't here uh, when we did that episode. Yeah, they lost their trademark for WWF to the Wildlife Foundation, so they changed to WWE because of that. Go nature. Which yeah. has given us an amazing t-shirt in the process of their uh, symbol, which is the panda, about to get slammed with a chair by another panda with a lucha mask. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's good great. times. <laughs> it's really good times, actually. So yeah, go nature. Do you like listening to But Why, though? Well, the Podcoin app is a podcast player that pays you to listen to this podcast and all of the podcasts that you love. Just get the Podcoin app on iPhone or Android and start listening today. It's free and super easy to use with every minute you listen getting you sweet, sweet coins. It turns your podcast listening into charity, or if you like, just get some Amazon or Starbucks gift cards. I mean, getting paid to listen to podcasts, that's pretty cool. I use the Podcoin app to do all my podcast listening now, and I can be 100%. I love it. So seriously, just go get the Podcoin app and use our invite code, but why though, and though spelt T-H-O, you know, you listen to the show, you'll get 300 Podcoin just for signing up if you use our code. That's 300 Podcoin just for signing up if you use our code, but why though. Go give Podcoin a try today. Okay, so now we're going to get into some but why those um, really kind of focusing on what the WWE has done in the last two years in terms of like representation, um, in terms of kind of like how the women's division has evolved and kind of basically Kofi, Kofi Mania because we can't talk about anything other than Kofi Mania when it comes to our representation. Uh, talk about kind of the healthcare issues that have been surrounding the WWE and kind of professional wrestling in general. And then just kind of end with kind of all of the new things and kind of um, what I think is kind of like the new wave of these new promotions and collaborations of these promotions kind of trying to really, really compete with the WWE. So we'll start off with um, representation and the women's division. So in episode 10, we talked about the pro wrestling that women have been involved in pro wrestling since 1937 about. And we talked about the Divas Revolution in 2015, the rebranding of the divas division to the women's division in 2016, which kind of started off the women's evolution. And since our last record, we've basically seen um, a whole bunch of things happen. So we've seen, you know, the, we've seen the first women's um, Ironman match. We've seen the first women's Hell in a Cell match, the first women's tables, ladders, and chairs match. And um, one of the biggest, most recently, is the first 
women's led pay-per-view for WWE with uh, WWE Evolution, which was, uh, I think it was seven, right? I think it was seven. I think it was six or seven, seven or eight, some, somewhere around there. All female-led matches with um, no male superstars in it. And then most recently, WrestleMania 35 was headlined by the women's championship match for the first time ever. So we've had a lot of growth in those last two years. And this, this women's evolution is still going um, as they're just getting more and more kind of first in their matches. And I think this is really... Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Anthony, but I feel like like the WWE is really kind of shifting the face of their company to um, women. It's why things like Kate knows who Becky Lynch is without having ever watched, you know, the, the more more recent stuff. Having watched Oscar or know who Oscar is, despite kind of what they've done to her in the last couple of of weeks leading up to, to WrestleMania. But um, I don't know if this is because like they're starting to phase out a lot of the older male wrestlers and like the new male talent for me just aren't as exciting as like wrestlers like Becky Lynch or um, who are branded as like the new man in town or transfers from W uh, from NXT for Matt. That's like WWE's like JV kind of like stepping stone promotion. Um, you know, people like uh, Ember Moon, Ruby Riot, Nikki Cross, et cetera, are just more exciting to me than the new male talent that we have coming in with all of our older people like, you know, Cena, et cetera, kind of phasing out into the sunset. I mean, when it comes to the women's revolution, I, I don't know if I would give them the kudos to saying that they're putting women at the forefront just yet. Uh, but I would definitely say there is a major shift and at least they are giving women the opportunity that they've always deserved. I've been saying for, <clears throat> pardon me, for a long time that there should be a women's tag team division, and they finally have given them that opportunity as well. So although they are making great strides, I feel like with the exception of only a few of their superstars, which has always been true with the male division as well, that those are the only ones that are really getting the proper opportunities or shots. Like you mentioned Asuka, and the one thing that really kills me about her, and, and this is just really, again, a big problem with creative, or more importantly, Vincent McMahon, is he they don't know what to do with a lot of the NXT talent. NXT, like we were saying, or you are saying, is kind of like the JV. It's like uh, the Junior League of, of Football uh, as far as uh, relation. Uh, NXT, in my opinion, is one of the better shows as far as performance and even storylines. And it's actually headed by Triple H. And a lot of those talents, you'll notice when they come to the main roster, WWE, they, for lack of better terms, get shit on. They usually are not put into good feuds. They don't know what to do with them in relation to what they were in NXT. And Asuka is a big example of that. She had an undefeated streak and an amazing undefeated streak for the longest time. And she lost it to Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is, 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 is a, she has, you know, pedigree. She's a, a good wrestler. I'm not going to go ahead and say that she's not. And she does deserve a, a fair amount of the recognition that she gets, but she's no Becky Lynch, obviously Becky Lynch fan, but she's the one that beat Asuka. And from a storytelling standpoint, that was a huge misstep uh, for several reasons. But the biggest one is the person that if anybody was going to defeat her streak, it should have been Ember Moon for numerous reasons. From a storytelling standpoint, there was a big rivalry between the two. Uh, she's the only person that ever came even close to ever defeating Asuka. And just for Charlotte to do it after Asuka had only been with the, the, the division for a few weeks, and after several stomp match or squash matches where she completely destroyed anybody else that she went against, for her to be defeated in such a way was just kind of a slap to the character's face. And I think also the fan's face. Uh, but again, like... 
it, they they are definitely making strides. Uh, I, but I think that there's just still the same issues that the again the main even the the, the, um, the men's division has that we're still seeing with the women's division. But definitely Becky Lynch uh, through the it, 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 it's really through the universe. The universe is the one that's kind of making the difference in regards to that because they when her nose was broken that's the image you're referring to kate where you saw with the bloody nose that was by accident that was not that was not something that was planned her nose was broken by nia Jax, which caused an uproar in itself but that became iconic and it was really the fans that helped her finally get over it's the ones that gave her the push that kind of brought her to that status because for the longest time ever there was a lot of people that uh supported becky lynch but you kind of have to show it if the WWE universe is not making a big enough ruckus, there's gonna be there's gonna be no support. They're not gonna, they're not gonna have that faith to kind of push that person forward story wise. So I will say like the one thing that I do know is from what I because I like everybody like retweets like all these clips and I end up watching them. I was like, oh, this kind of cool. This person looks cool. I do remember all of my timeline like being really upset that Asuka lost. And I do remember, like, whatever I've seen with Charlotte Flair, like, I just don't like her. I don't know why I don't like her. I just don't like her. And I really like Becky Lynch. And the one thing, like, from a female perspective that also has me, like, wanting to get back into it, because I remember when I was watching and I hated the way the divas dressed. Not all of them. Like, some, like... I, I'm totally on board with the sexy and skin. Like, that's perfectly fine. But I also think that sometimes it doesn't match, like, the character of the person. I felt like that happened a lot when I watched Divas. Um, I watched them because it was, it you know, it's kind of cool. But then I also, like, I didn't like the fact that the only time I ever got Divas, a Divas match, was because they're fighting over a guy. Um, which seemed to happen all the time. Um, and so, like, when I, when I see, like, clips from what people are sharing or even just like stills. I'm like, damn, like one, their costume game has stepped up and it's a lot more than just a bikini. And it actually looks kind of practical. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, like they all seem to like, like I like I know Asuka and Becky Lynch as their own characters. I don't know them in association to a guy, which was the only way that I found out about any of the divas really when I was watching. So like from an outside perspective looking in, like that's that's what I found really interesting to me because like it, it just seems completely different than the era of wrestling that I was watching just from what I've seen, you know, through the Twitter sphere. Obviously, like I don't watch wrestling. I'm not going to claim to. I'm not going to claim to be a fan. But like I, I do know getting to see that it's actually been kind of cool because I do remember the women's when I did the the women's wrestling when I did watch, and it seems like a huge damn progression. And at least from like what Adrian and then um, our writer, our writer, um, our writer Nico um, on butwhythepodcast.com actually has a, an article up where he chronicled kind of the shift from divas into this new age of women's wrestling. And I edited that. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Um, so just from like those tangential pieces. Um, yeah, I've, I'm kind of excited. Like I kind of want to watch Becky Lynch stuff, but I also, I don't have time to even dedicate to, to my other fandoms at this point. So I can't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's definitely a huge far cry from the bra and panties and like pudding pool matches back then to now. Because yeah, I, I agree with you. When it, you know you can have people owning their sexuality, but when you have like strong characters like Tori or even, uh, for instance, uh, one of my favorite ones at around that time being like uh, Sable or even China, who actually won championships off of men. 
to see some of them just be relegated to just those kind of matches, and that's the only time you get to see them was kind of a slap to their face. And we don't see that anymore. So that is, you're right, absolutely a huge progression. Yeah, and my biggest thing and kind of like another you know, talking point that I'd love to hear perspectives about, just from Anthony in general as, you know, a, a much bigger wrestling fan than myself, and then just kind of for a case perspective of like, like what would get you into it even more, like how to keep this momentum. I don't know. For me, I think just from like the WrestleMania matches, I think they need to like phase out the old guard of like the women's division, just kind of like how the men are trying to do. Cause I feel like they're just trying to like shove the, you know, the divas who didn't kind of get, who didn't get a chance to like have this kind of division, you know, like the Beth Phoenix and Natalia and Mickey James. Like, I don't want to see them in matches anymore. Like I don't need them coming into doing matches. I don't need Natalia. Yo, I love what you do for behind the scenes for like the division, but I want to see Becky Lynch and, you know, you know, Sasha Banks and everybody more than I want to see that. So I, for me, that's what, that's what would get me more excited to see those people phase out and then let, you know, these new people kind of come in and let people like Ember Moon and like Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross have bigger roles than they already do to kind of, kind of circumvent what you said earlier, Anthony, of like them not giving the smaller uh, superstars that kind of push. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts on kind of like how we keep this momentum going for, you know, the women's division. So it does get to that point where they are becoming more of like the face where Becky Lynch becomes the John Cena or she becomes the first Becky Lynch, et cetera. I really think that they're just on the right path. Uh, continue doing what they're doing, continue supporting the women's division the best they can. Uh, they really just need to just bring some more members of the women's division to the fold. They need to consider rivalries and storylines they could be telling and that's really about it. It's as simple as that. It's really just support their push, support where they're going, continue with it, and, and then you're golden. So I would the say storyline just make everything in this. Storylines and a lot of things make everything, in my opinion. Uh, but that, that's really what you're mostly watching it for because the performances are, are, are all well. I mean, a lot of people respect the technical aspect of the wrestling. And especially when it comes to spots, that's why you have people like Ricochet that are, are really becoming a household, slowly becoming a household name in WWE as far as the men division, or even Finn Balor with a lot of his antics. But for the most part, yeah, people watch this as a soap opera, just like Adrian mentioned before. I know that's part of the reason why I get into it. So when the matches aren't great, Storyline can take something that's a mediocre match and make it something that's memorable. I remember th there are two female wrestlers that I remember that I actually like cared about. It was Trish Stratus and Melina. Those are like the two female wrestlers that when I watched, those are two that I really, really enjoyed watching and like really, really um, like cared about, I guess. Not cared about, but like I, like I I would watch them for them, right? Whereas like the other ones, like I saw them because they were with the dude wrestler that I really liked. Um, I do wonder, like, I, I, I'm not a female wrestling fan, so, like, I can't really, like, speak to this, but, like, I do wonder, like, what women who watch feel about, about these older players that you, that you're watching, Adrian, because I see what you're saying, like, just get the new blood in and let them kind of live, but then I could also see from the other side, like, hey, we never actually got to compete on this level that these new women are competing, so, like, I can under, I can also understand, like, getting, like, the old guard of women's wrestling, like, getting to get that time, but, I mean... I I honestly don't even remember them that much. Like I remember the ones that were before I started wrestling or started watching wrestling, like China and all that stuff because they were pop culture icons. But like from the era that I was watching, so probably like 2005 to 2012 maybe, 
like I rare I really only remember Melina and Trish. That's so, it. I'm gonna say as far as moving the thing, I get the whole perspective you're saying of like maybe the old guard needs their time, they didn't get their due and everything, but it, I guess based on the fact that Anthony and even Adrian said this is a soap opera and just entertainment and not necessarily other stuff, like if it's not good and people don't want it, eventually you just have to accept and move on. It sucks, but well, but then I also feel like <clears throat> it's a soap opera, you can totally have those people from before coming back. Because, like, soap operas, like, days of our lives have been going on for, like, 30 damn years. And those <laughs> some of those characters are still there getting their storylines and their dues. It, 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 I guess, like, within a storyline perspective, it sounds like it just needs to be worked in better as opposed to just making it seem like, oh, we're going to throw these women the things that they didn't yeah. get before. The, yeah. yeah, they actually have to think about how to incorporate them versus like oh we're just gonna do these these female empowerment things like that probably like that sounds like what the problem is like there's a disconnect between just like oh we're gonna give them their due versus like oh people might actually care about this if we write them at least from what i'm hearing from you guys i mean again totally speaking from an outsider perspective all i'm getting is nobody knows how to write this apparently yes but actually probably across all media (laughs) well you're you're right they they don't know how to write it Uh, but no kate actually did bring up a very a very good point that uh kind of just now clicked a little bit better in my head if you look at the women's division the women's division does not have as much talent as the men's division so i mean this may have been their plan all all along i would i would at least like to give them the benefit of the doubt that that's part of the reason why they brought back some of the old guard is to kind of have some more people in that roster. I mean, a true solution really would be to bring people from other uh, promotions because they've done it as far as the men's division is concerned, or even just bring some people from NXT up into WWE, even though they'd probably just get mistreated anyways. But you're absolutely right. There are some people, uh, maybe not Mickey James, because Mickey James definitely and Beth Phoenix both had their time to shine. And actually, um, Mickey James and Trish Stratus had probably one of the best women's division rivalries of all time at least one of the more memorable ones because uh trish Stratus and mickey james are probably on the top of my favorite women's wrestlers uh but yeah that's very well it could be it very well could be the reason why they were brought back is to kind of help give it a give them a push as well as the women's division itself give them the opportunity that they may not necessarily have uh, could have gotten back then again with the exception of like mickey james and beth phoenix because they they got more time than pretty much anybody else, including Trish Stratus, also getting plenty of uh, face time. And I will say, like, on the other side, too, like, you could show me a picture of Melina doing something cool, and it probably wouldn't click with me as much as just seeing that picture of Becky Lynch's nose broken and be like, holy shit, she's a badass. <laughs> like, I, like I, 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 I do think, I think either way works. I'm obviously, like, I'm, seeing pictures of Asuka and Becky Lynch have honestly made me consider doing it like and that's not even thinking about any of the I don't even know what old talent is still there I don't you know like I obviously don't know that so like I think there's merit to either ways but I do think it is kind of to be like oh diva who's given your given the WWE or whatever it's called now like professional wrestling 25 years of your life we're actually gonna write you well now versus like other stuff i don't know or at least that was the hope as <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sandy you still you're still giving them the benefit benefit of the doubt have we not learned have we not learned when oscar 
lost to Charlotte Flair before WrestleMania. We were all so excited that she was going to be in that match to headline WrestleMania. And they're like, nope, here comes Charlotte. Uh, but you're right, Kate. No one likes Charlotte. I don't want to say nobody likes Charlotte, but she just looks annoying and she sounds yeah, annoying and, and I she mean, does annoying things. And that's just from the Twitter clips that I've seen. She's talented. She's, you know, she's athletic, but it comes to a writing thing where is she a heel today or is she a face today? What is she, she today? She's flip-flopped so many different times because no matter what kind of description you give her, whether she be the face good guy or the heel bad guy, nobody really likes her in either of those kind of storylines and either of those kind of character roles because she doesn't really do well in either. She's better as a heel because the fact that she just works better with you hating her character because she's better as that embodiment of entitlements and oh i come from a pedigree i deserve this shot or i'm me and her ego demands that she gets that title shot and that's something to hate and with every good uh character that you have you have to have somebody who's just equally as bad or worse which is actually kind of why it's funny you have becky lynch because they had her turn heel or at least that was the intention before she was supposed to be the bad guy but when she started fighting a little bit dirtier or a little bit rougher, everybody was still cheering her on, which is where you get that rare occasion for just a quick wrestling term. You have what's known as a tweener, which is just a character that's kind of in between being that face good guy or that heel bad guy. Because she's not truly the bad guy because everybody's still cheering for her because she's still better than Charlotte from a character perspective. I thought a tweener was between being a linebacker and a defensive end. I knew he was going to say That could also be true, too. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So we'll kind of move on to uh, Kofi Mania and kind of its kind of implications on race for the WWE. So in episode 10, we touched on race representation with WWE with some of the good and a lot of the bad because 80s, 90s, WWE was not a great time uh, for a lot of things. Uh, But they kind of made a stride finally um, in kind of regards to race at WrestleMania and all this really starts with Kofi Mania. So at WrestleMania 35, Kofi Kingston, who is a member of the trio, the new day with Biggie and Xavier Woods, uh, Kate and Matt will know Xavier Woods from PAX South when he played a former uh, member of the podcast in like Mortal Kombat. That, that was Xavier Woods and he's in that whole thing. I and thought the guy broke his spine. I don't know. I mean, he's no, alive. No, did it, no, no, no. I thought he broke a piece of his back or something. That's why he didn't he... come to a window. Oh, you're thinking of Big E. So Big yeah. E was the one that got had a, a back injury, and he's currently out. Uh, no, Austin Creed, uh, better known as Xavier Woods, he's the more, I want to say, charismatic kind of face of the New Day. He's the one that's playing well, I the trumpet. I remember South that he's talking about, but I could have sworn it was the same person that broke part of his spine. But I guess not. <laughs> this is one of the other members. Yeah, um, but yeah, just gotta put it in perspective. Is, is that I mean, and, and we've met like the guy who did the costumes and stuff like that. At I think it was Pax East, Pax West. Yeah, Pax I think East. yeah, Pax East. So um, he's a member of that of that crew, and he and he at WrestleMania 35, he became the first African-born WWE champion in world history, as well as WWE's 30th Triple Crown champion, which is essentially WWE champion, Intercontinental champion, and a tag champion at some point. And the 20th Grand Slam champion, which is a little bit different, but it's essentially, you know, one primary. So WWE championship, a tag championship, intercontinental championship, and a U.S. championship. So 
pretty historic event for him to do that. And like um, Anthony spoke about earlier, there are times when the WWE universe pushes something and stuff actually happens that we want to happen. And this really comes from Kofi Mania and basically the WWE's universe to push to see Kofi Kingston, who isn't the, you know, he isn't the rock. He isn't Roman Reigns. He isn't John Cena in terms of stature, but a push to see him as the WWE champion or, you know, a major um, WWE championship. For kind of like watching the road to this, it really reminded me a lot of the Mark Henry push into like the early 2010s, as well as like Daniel Bryan's run uh, for the Yes Movement. You know, one for Mark Henry as um, an Af- African American superstar, kind of getting that push to be a WWE champion, and for Daniel Bryan, kind of like the smaller um, underdog type you know, of push. Bryan is that vegan guy, right? Yeah, with the beard. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and his push, you know, the Yes Movement push is kind of very, very similar. To that, and he actually faced Daniel Bryan for the championship match, which was like very like ironic and like the storyline there was okay. It was a good storyline. So, leading up to this push, people were really worried on whether or not they were going to actually like let him hold it because they were they weren't sure if like there was some like underlying um, you know racial discrimination against African American wrestlers and things like that. Uh, but you know, he's champion. And he still is champion. Would be like thirty days out or so, and he's still champion. They didn't take it away from him. I thought they were going to do it the Monday after, but they didn't do it. Um, so it's been I really. I saw a whole bunch of people tweeting that. Yeah. I, yeah. So I know what you're talking about because I saw people tweeting that they were terrified that he was going to lose it um, on that Monday night. I was scared. I thought they. I thought they were going to take it from him. I really did. And they've uh, Kofi Kingston himself has like used this push to like, um, of course, black excellence. Like that's like first and foremost, of course. But you know, he's he's been quoted as saying it's not like only for black excellence, but it's for people like us to show that anyone can succeed. And he was quoted as saying um, in one uh, an interview leading up to WrestleMania, he's saying from the perspective that you know this kind of transcends race is the fact that this is a legitimate 11 year journey his 11 year journey of course um it's an 11 year grind you know what i mean people like us like people who work as hard as they possibly can who are told no even before i became a wwe superstar i was told i was never going to make it because i wasn't big enough you know what i mean i wasn't um i wasn't strong enough i wasn't 68 and here we are you know what i'm saying People who are always climbing obstacles, climbing mountains, only to find more mountains at the top of those mountains and having to climb again. You know, people like us. It involves, it's everybody's who has struggled. It involves um, everyone who struggled, everybody who's had a difficult time getting to where they want to be. And now they can look at us as examples and say, hey, I can do this because they did it. I can see it happening. Maybe I can do it too. Um which kind of like shows the kind of overarching kind of why these things matter and kind of why his push matters is because we're always so used to seeing the Triple H's and the, you know, Brock Lesnar's and all this stuff, you know, winning these championships and to see someone who's, you know, the first African-born WWE champion, um, the smaller guy of the trio of the New Day getting this push was really, really great. And just to see Kofi Mania be its own thing was um Awesome to see. It helped their ratings and so on and so forth. So it's been a positive thing for WWE and kind of the WWE universe in general. No, absolutely. They had to do this for so many different reasons. First and foremost, 
I want to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to Austin Creed slash Xavier Woods because he's the one that started Kofi Mania. It seems that he's really using his up, up, down, down influence because how big his channels become and how big New Day has become to really kind of help make that happen. He started the Kofi Mania hashtag. He's the one that said Kofi needs to be in WrestleMania because, you know what, it is, it, he has been part of this organization for 11 years. He's put his heart and soul into the organization. He's the reason why many people watch the Royal Rumble because they want to see all the creative ways that he's going to go ahead and keep himself from getting eliminated. He's super athletic. He's a great technical wrestler, very charismatic. There's no reason why uh, he shouldn't have been a WWE champion before. So we, we had this push and there absolutely was the fear that one, they weren't going to give it to him. And they kind of did, they were a little bit on the nose and I can kind of appreciate it, but it almost kind of felt like it was real at that point because you had Vince McMahon coming out being the kind of racist guy who's just like, you know what, Kofi, you're a B plus player. You don't deserve to actually be in the main event. And then that's what he did. Like the, the quote about the mountains upon mountains upon mountains. He's the Vince McMahon playing the bad guy put these mountains and mountains and mountains from because then Kofi had to fight a, a gauntlet match similar to what Daniel Bryan had to do to had to fight against numerous superstars just to be able to win his shot. He ultimately failed due to bullshit, but they did that, of course, to kind of get everybody pissed off and hyped up and watching the next uh, episode to which then it, it was up to, you know, Xavier Woods and Big E, the other members of the new day, they had to win a tag team gauntlet match against several other tag teams which we got a cool moment where the Usos, out of solidarity for the New Day, they bowed out of the match. They they purposely forfeited to help Kofi get that opportunity. So, I mean, from a cultural standpoint, it was a very important storyline to have, and I'm glad it went the way that it did, because if it went otherwise, they definitely would have lost a huge chunk of their viewership, and it just would have not ended well for them from a business standpoint either. Because it also sounds like one of those things, like, it's not necessarily, like, wrestling, like, as much as it's about athleticism, and, like, I'm not, like, I, Becky Lynch broke her nose. Um, like, it's obviously that, but it also sounds like a lot of it, I mean, and you kind of talked about it, it's all dependent on story writers. So it's, like, because it's taken so long for some of these things to happen, it's because of people who have written scripts, not necessarily, like, um, the wrestlers themselves, although I'm sure some of that comes into some play. But it kind of seems like it's kind of reflective of like other pushes for representation in other areas that have, you know, in other scripted series, movies, those types of things. Um, and it's also one of those things that I've always found weird because I and this is probably just because of my own bubble. But like it seems like the majority of wrestling fans that I know that like go the hardest have always been like black and Latin or Latinx. Like, and I, like, I, and it, that could just be because of the bubble that I'm in. Cause I, like, and that's not saying that, like, they're the most, like, they're the most, or like, it, it's, how could I, <laughs> the fan base is extremely diverse, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not a fan base that I would look at and say, oh, only this type of person watches it. Right. And it was, it, it's one of those things that also, like, um, I could, I edit. So our, our writer, Nico, he covers wrestling a lot. And so I edit a lot of his stuff and I watch the clips he puts in there and everything like that. And it, it's also one of those things that kind of thinking back to like the older days, like I, I do vividly remember that guy coming out and saying really racist things to Eddie Guerrero before he won his. Um, and I'm like, somebody wrote that. Like, somebody <laughs> wrote that to happen. Um, and so to kind of see something different or hear about something different, like that's kind of, it, 
it's really interesting and i'm also just kind of like wow this is really the first time this stuff is happening like given what i know about the fan base and stuff i mean i don't know if any of that made sense or if that was just a, a ramble no i definitely can get where you're coming from with that and really when it comes down to that representation has been a thing that has been a kind of issue that WWE has had for a long time. They're definitely do, doing a much better job in regards to that. And really what it came down to is sometimes uh, most of the wrestlers don't have much creative control over their character, which is kind of a crime. If you're, uh, I guess in movies, you, you, the actors usually don't have much say over their what their characters say or do too. So I guess I can kind of see how that happens. But usually when you see these big pushes or these big changes uh, for representation or even just better storytelling for characters, it usually comes from the wrestlers taking that chance. And it's a huge risk because if it doesn't pay off, that could be them losing their job or becoming so satisfied, dissatisfied with their position that they ask for their release. Um, one of the other bigger pushes, um, besides, of course, Kofimania being, you know, Finn Balor coming out with his rainbow color jacket and with the message of, you know, Finn Balor for everyone, which is a huge push for the LGBTQ community. And the, he went out there without them really having an idea that that's what he was going to do at, at first. The only person that really was kind of in on it was, you know, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And they're just like, just go for it. But creative had no idea what that was going to happen or anybody else really had any idea that, that was going to happen. But that was a huge thing for that community as well. And also for representation. And it's really sad that it comes down to the talent that they're the ones that have to take that risk. They're the ones that have to make that push when it really should be the writers and the organization itself that should be the ones really making that push so when you say risk like if if a like if the talent right like if a wrestler chooses to kind of go off script or because i'm sure there has to be instances of that like or just do their own thing like how much ramifications are there within the storylines themselves or even just with them being on tickets so what will typically happen, uh, the one more common ones, uh, one of them actually being Damien Sandow, one of, my, one of my favorite, more current wrestlers, is if you speak out of turn, if you do something they don't like, what they will try and do to you first is you will basically be written to be this god-awful character, and they will put you in squash matches where your character is getting absolutely destroyed by anybody they're going, to, uh, going against, or they'll put you in really bad rivalries. They will try and make you look as bad as humanly possible, or you simply just won't perform on the main card at all. So you only maybe just work what's known as like shadow matches or dark matches to where it's not even televised. Or even worse, you just won't wrestle really at all. They won't even use you to the point where, again, they would rather you just kind of ask for your release. It's very rare that anybody is just outright fired. But if you're not one of these bigger names or if you're not a fan favorite, that is definitely what typically happens to, to most of the talent that, in some of the cases that that has actually occurred where they've tried to work off of script or try and do something different than what was expected or told of them. Yeah, I think that really transitions really well into kind of our next piece of kind of the healthcare issues surrounding professional wrestling and WWE in general, because it seems to be, um, we'll, we'll just get into it. So in and then like heavier part of episode 10, we talked about kind of the ugly side of professional wrestling, uh, particularly with the issues surrounding CTE and situations like Kate mentioned earlier, like Chris Benoit. And just death of these athletes being attributed to in-ring work. And this has recently been brought back into the public eye with John Oliver's 23-minute segment on the, the historical mistreatment of WWE superstars, both current and retired, in regards to like healthcare um, at the hands of really kind of Vince McMahon for, for the, a lot of it. 
Um, you know, he cites things like uh, professional wrestlers dying at younger rates than, say, the NFL, who have their own issues surrounding um, uh, surrounding their health of their athletes and things like that, and kind of you know them working 300 days out of the 365 day year, uh, you know, just kind of overworking things like that. And we'll link if you haven't seen it, and you know, it's some of it's funny, some of it's serious, and then he kind of does something at the end, like where he basically like makes fun of professional like wrestling fans, which that was kind of like dumb. Uh, but it's 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 an okay video and kind of pretty informative. But it did spark a lot of bringing. I mean, because we've always we've always known, you know, health and CTE have been kind of in the the public eye for a while, but the sh- the focus has been shift shifted to professional wrestling at the moment. Um, and one of the big reasons why they cite that professional wrestlers, especially in the WWE, don't get health care is because they're independent contractors, but they can't go work for other promotions without being released. And like uh, Matthew was saying, a lot of wrestlers don't get released, you know, uh, even if they want to, if they're stuck in situations like Damian Sandow, like where they're getting written terribly, or like Cody uh, Rhodes, where they're being written terribly. Um, and right after that segment, there was like a lot of pushback from the WWE and even WWE superstars like the Big Show who said who the Big Show you know, everyone knows that's a household name everyone knows the Big Show even if you don't know wrestling um, and he was basically they TMZ caught him out one day and he said like no I mean I'm doing fine like I've been doing this for years you know I'm like seven feet tall and I'm and I'm doing okay um, but the counter argument to that has been well he's a main staple person who gets paid better so he can afford to do more surgeries take time off etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, healthcare has been kind of a mess in sports in general, but I think it's particularly bad for WWE, especially especially because in the John Oliver clip, they brought back videos of Vince McMahon literally saying like he doesn't care and doesn't take responsibility for you know the deaths of you know retired um, or even current WWE superstars. Um, yeah, I mean, in the last thirty years, there really hasn't been any other big promotions that people can kind of go to to kind of offer those things, which will kind of bring us into our last. But why though? But I'm curious to hear about perspectives for this issue, and I like to hear about Matt because Matt, you know, big sports guy, he's our sports guy on the podcast. Uh, any relation between this and say things like that happened in other sports surrounding healthcare? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I expected. There we go. Um, as far as I mean, obviously, I don't know particularly. I guess the average salary, considering the WWE and what they get paid, far as the bottom or low. I know in the NFL, um, the older, I guess, the old generation, especially like when you go back to the '80s and even currently up to like the '90s. I think it wasn't until like '93 or '94 where the first person like broke a million dollars or something crazy. <clears throat> they definitely got hosed as far as like especially when it comes to healthcare, because one, we didn't know anything or we didn't care, whichever one you want to say. And they just didn't make any type of money. Um, today, as far as like injuries, the healthcare is, they still have it very bad, but it's also like, even at a practice squad, you make $775,000, I think as a minimum. So it's kind of hard <laughs> in some way to be like, they're probably like, even the lowest people in the NFL make, I don't know what Big Show makes, so they'll make almost a million dollars for healthcare-wise. Um, so it's kind of hard to, I guess, correlate or translate for as far as the WWE, because I don't know what the bottom makes, whereas I know what the bottom of the NFL makes. And so all their issues are, they have particularly a lot of bad issues, especially when it comes to negligence and everything else. But as far as like health of things of like, 
these aren't people making $40,000 or $50,000, even $100,000 going, they can't afford anything. These are people making $700,000, <clears> you know, saying stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if that's where you thought I was going with this, but uh, like I said. Um, oh, I mean, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's like kind of like the argument that a lot of people are currently using to like to defend the WWE is like, well, either you take big paychecks or you get health insurance. Like you don't get both. It's kind of like what I've seen for some of like the big na- like, and that and that's okay for like the top listed right. people. But like, if you're on NXT or if you're in some other promotion and aren't getting paid what you know people like, I don't know, X Y Z big name characters making, then you can't really afford to take time off or take time off and afford a surgery. Yeah, I think for the better counter argument would not be necessarily the NFL per se. Would actually probably be more like minor minor league baseball because they travel through buses and they work everything, and they probably only make about maybe fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a year, and they literally travel all by buses and pretty much have nothing per se, and you get basically one shot. So I think that would probably be a better like way of like comparing their health. Person, oh shit. Sorry, my monitor went out. Um, that would probably to me would be a better way of like. Uh, correlation because obviously baseball is not as like dangerous or anything else as per se the NFL or even WWE but as far as like mistreatment per healthcare and everything I would probably go with minor league baseball as probably more represented than somewhat in the NFL just because like I said I know even the very 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 bottom of the NFL is still probably about like higher than probably like you know 70% of the country Yeah, there's there's a reason why you see The Rock and John Cena doing more movies than they are doing wrestling anymore. Yes, that's that's where the money's at. Yeah. Even, even the top paid talent within WWE and most or any wrestling promotion really is not making the same kind of money that you would see, you know, people in the NFL making. Like you're the point you were making. Like, yeah, I think pay, baseball would be a, a better example if you were to do like apples to apples than the NFL because even the top paid talent and WWE are probably the only ones making close to what NFL makes, but it is also, in my in my opinion, a shitty argument that oh, if you're making enough money, then you shouldn't be provided healthcare. And there, that's could be a pretty much an entire different argument in itself. But if you're doing something so so physical, so if you're constantly putting your body at risk, especially like Adrian pointed out with some wrestlers that are doing it 365 days a year, you need to take care of them. Because they're the ones that are earning you that money. You are not the ones going out there, you know, practically killing yourselves. Yeah, I think it probably also going on that point would probably be a better part of just a general healthcare in general for this country. Because I know that's a terrible argument. Like, oh, you make this amount of money, we need to, you know, healthcare, whatnot. But then if you think of the lower thing of like, there's plenty of people that don't get healthcare that probably do like construction (laughs) with their body. Like, exactly. Especially- yeah. So it's probably more of like not saying they don't deserve healthcare. It's just one of those that's probably more of a better, a bigger healthcare like problem overall, as much as it's bad in sports. But at some point, it's one of those you have to do look at of like, well, if I can't, if I don't get healthcare, I at least hope I'm making five hundred thousand versus making fifty thousand. That's kind of where I am with it. Like, obviously, this excludes people who are just coming into the sport and stuff like that. Like. I, I do think like morally, like ethically, it's kind of like if you are a company that is asking your employees to perform something that is going to harm them physically or potentially harm them physically, you should have that covered. Like just like that should happen. And I, that, like Matt said, like that should go to the construction workers and the welders and the sites of buildings and like all of that stuff. Um, 
And then like the other side, and I think this is really hard, and I think it's something that's getting harder, especially as we see more and more people in this country being disenfranchised by healthcare laws and everything like that is to like come out and fight for people who make buttloads of money. Like if you tear your ACL as a big time star, you can afford to go get that repaired. If you are somebody who tears their ACL on a construction site when you're making like not that much money and you don't have health and care insurance, it's a completely different, like to me, that's a different conversation. And it's not to say that like, it, it's just hard for me to be, it, it's hard for me to be sympathetic towards very rich people, essentially, which is what it comes down to, especially because like my eye insurance sucks. They will cover $250 and I have to take a receipt, print it out and mail it to them in order to get anything covered. That is what I have to do to get glasses and I need them to see. <laughs> like, and and. I think the larger thing is just like overall, we just need to give people freaking healthcare if they are working. But I think it does get harder for some people to be like, oh, what? Like they make a lot of money. They can afford their own regular, their own insurance plan by themselves. Um, I was going to say, but like that also that also seems like a separate issue than like the issues regarding like the WWE turning their like turning a blind eye or anything to any sort of CTE things or like pushing wrestlers to come in before they're ready. Like those are all, like, I feel like they're connected conversations, but still different. Like if, if you're being pushed to go past your limits that are physically harming you, that that's also a conversation about like the WWE or whatever pro wrestling entity respecting the need for somebody's body to recover. Which is kind of funny because you brought up the ACL thing and it's always been like kind of a joke of like the NFL player that tears his ACL, like even the most famous one of like James Andrews, the doctor who fixes them up, act, makes a lot less money than the person who's actually fixing that he's actually fixing. And so because <clears throat> you're like, oh, the doctor went there. He's the most famous surgeon, like almost in like the sports world. But he also makes probably like way less than all of his clients. Uh, but no, the probably the main thing also, like we said before, like negligence has probably been a main thing, not so much like, oh, I can afford health care. Well, that's fine. Doesn't mean we need they need to be using it all the time. The point of the matter is it should be there and not putting in conditions where they need to use it. But no, that has been hard, especially as sports in general, contracts and stuff have gone higher. As I said, like nobody in the NFL made a million dollars until almost like 93, 94. And now people make like 30 million dollars a year. And like I said, the WWE, I don't know exactly their pay scales of like the big stars or even the lower scales, but I do know in general sports contracts across the board, especially from the big ones, are going higher and higher. And so it's also feeling, getting harder to feel sympathy for this. That's why I said people from the 70s that played in the NFL, people are like, you know, can we get something? They were yeah, and, and I think that's a big thing too, especially with the John Oliver clip. As much as I did right. like some of it, um, they were like, "Well, once these dudes, you know, these old men who've like literally jumped off forty foot cages, they were just like, all right, you know, have fun, find right. find something to do with your broken <laughs> hips that we didn't help you pay for, like that. It's it's just it's just really rough. And I think either they just need to like make them straight up employees." Or like, and we talked about it, Anthony, um, on Ready Comics Roll. That I think someone just needs to be kind of like the whistleblower and like one of like these lower people who aren't making like big show money because a lot of the focus is put on big show. People are like, oh well, big show said they're fine, so I guess they're fine then. Uh, to have someone be like, hey, no, like, dude, this is what they're doing. 
this is what they're not doing. Like, yo, like this needs to be a bigger thing. And maybe, and the big, the big point that I did like what John Oliver said is that like the WWE universe who has done all of these things that we've talked about needs to get behind it and kind of push for better treatment of, you know, wrestlers in general. I do have a question since we are talking about Vincent Mann and his treatment stuff. So his football league is coming to start up, I believe in 2020. Do we have anything knowing how has he taken care of anybody in that week? Probably about as well as he's doing with the WWE. <laughs> I mean, I, I XFL failed in the past. They had a documentary about it. It's somehow hey, but they're going to stand for the national anthem in this league. That's all that matters. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, XFL hopefully fails. That, that's uh, he just needs to stop. And it, it, you know, I don't. I have no stop faith. Trying to make XFL happen, Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Let it happen. Yeah. And I think that I think that brings us nicely into kind of our last little talking point here to kind of wrap up is just kind of new promotions that are popping up that are kind of vowing to do what the WWE isn't doing. Um, so, I mean, you go anywhere and like anywhere, especially like in the United States, to like small towns, to big cities, to quinceañeras, to conventions, like you're probably going to see some kind of wrestling promotion somewhere. So there's like lots of wrestling promotions um, but none of them really are competing at the level that WWE has in the last decades. Uh, as as fun as like they are, they're just not pulling the same kind of money and the same kind of exposure. However, I think with you know new promotions like All Elite Wrestling, which we'll talk about here in a second, and then just promotions doing bigger and bigger team ups, um, I think we might be in a weird kind of position where we're going to see competition kind of push the WWE to do better, which will hopefully add value to professional wrestling as a whole. Um, or it might just turn out like the XFL all over again and I'll just be sad. So I don't, I don't know where we're going to, going to be at, but I'm going to be hopeful because we have things like all elite wrestling or AEW, which fun fact, I was just at DreamCon and Kyle, um, Haber wore a AEW shirt and I was like, Hey Kyle and Kyle Haber is the voice of adult Gohan and other voices. I just thought it was so fitting that he'd be wearing an AEW shirt and not like a WWE shirt um, for that. And AEW is just recently founded, and I use founded in funny quotes because they've been talking about it for a while, but it was founded at the start of 2019 and basically has three prominent wrestlers um, as in-ring performers and executive president, executive vice presidents. So the Young Bucks, Mark and Nick Jackson, who aren't, I wouldn't say like household names, I don't know if like Kate knows or McMatt knows who these people are. They're hot topic household names. <laughs> um, like a store hot topic? Because I don't know any of these names. And the only Bucks I know is Buck Wild, not Young Bucks. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Um, but they've kind of been like on every promotion, you know, on the planet. And Cody Rhodes, and he's the son of Dusty Rhodes, um, you know, basically, um, you know, generational wrestler. And he had a pretty rocky tenure in the WWE and he eventually requested his release after like they basically ran his character into the ground and they wouldn't write his character better. So he requested his release. I think it was 2016 and basically got out of, got out of that. Um, and again, Anthony, correct me if I get any of this history wrong, but from my understanding, it gets started in May, 2017 when professional wrestling journalist, Dave Metzler, who's basically kind of like the, the go-to when it comes to, the wrestling community made a comment that the promotion ring of honor or ROH couldn't sell 10,000 tickets for a wrestling event. 
And basically, this prompted the three wrestlers I just mentioned to hold an independent professional wrestling event called All In in, 2000, in September 2018, featuring wrestlers from ROH as well as other promotions. And the event sold out in 30 minutes and had the largest audience attendance for a professional wrestling show in America and organized by promoters not affiliated with WWE or WCW since 1993. So biggest promotion since... 1993 that didn't have kind of your household WWE or WCW. And it also was the largest crowd for a non WWE wrestling event in America since WWCW was acquired by WWE 2001 with about 11,000 people attending the event. Um, and they've partnered with China's Oriental Wrestling Entertainment as well as uh, Mexico's, Mexico's Lucha Libre AAA. Um, worldwide to open up the roster for lots of cross promotions we've had lots of uh, different wrestlers there and because of their recent success and, and their front office kind of being run by wrestlers which is why i think nxt does so well they are hoping to offer things that the WWE doesn't like full benefits and employment and they've also attracted other names who have left the wwe like chris jericho as well as wrestlers who we thought would make the transition to wwe like Kenny Omega, who was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, so they're basically attracting more and more big names that we thought would stay with WWE or um, would make that transition like a lot of people have been in the past. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I couldn't correct you on any of that because it's all 100% uh, true and to the point. And one of the beautiful things I like about AEW, besides them being the greatest T-shirt selling company out there, because the promotion actually hasn't started just yet, uh, yeah, no, all, all in wrestling was a one in a million shot and they knocked it out of the park and it really got people kind of noticing what Cody Rhodes can do from a managerial aspect more than even what he does as a wrestler. Because yeah, he had a rocky tenure at over WWE, he asked for his release and then had a meteoric rise, at least in the indies as, as far as that's concerned, to where all eyes were on him from you know, Ring of uh, Ring of Honor to him actually being featured in G1 Supercard and being a part of New Japan Wrestling and doing these cross promotions. So I'm really hoping because Cody Rhodes has been that person. And that's, I think, also a big issue with WWE is a lot of the people that are in charge have not been in the ring. They do not know what it's like. They do not know all the things that kind of go into that. Cody Rhodes is. And so that's why I think AEW is going to be a game changer or like kind of like what we mentioned on the Ready Comic Roll podcast episode, uh, Adrian, or even agreed to it, it, it with an actual challenge to WWE. It's, it's what breeds innovation. It's what creates that change. The reason why things have been the way they were and have not had any kind of difference is because nobody's challenged wwe there there is no rival there is no threat there's nothing that's forcing them to do things differently than what they've been doing which yeah. is actually kind of funny that you brought all that up and we're talking about this because we did mention the xfl and that is kind of the reason we are getting the xfl and i think we had like the aff or aaf or whatever is because the nfl has no competition they've had no innovation like the technology even though it failed off of like business stuff sadly, but the I think AFF or AAF, whatever, um, failed right now. But the technology they used in that game in the few like weeks that they had was like very innovative and like great. And I think that's also like people are looking for hoping more of competition to do some of these different types of things and embrace some of the stuff of why we're getting this type of XFL. Because obviously, <clears throat> you know, you're going to get to a certain point where people want something different or something grow stale or people just don't feel like them in being innovative. Like 
that's we're talking about the WWE here. And so we get these other things and most of them fail, but hopefully this one seems to be very successful. And if it does, worst case, I mean, worst case scenario, it fails, but it definitely brings innovation because in general, you're going to push somebody regardless. So. Yeah. And, and, and like Anthony said, like, they really, they, you're right. Like, I, I didn't even think about that. They really even had, haven't had like an official card yet. Right. Like, isn't their first card like at the end of this month? I think. Uh, actually, I, I almost feel like an idiot. I almost feel like uh, All In, Double or Nothing happened already. I want to say it was around the same time as WrestleMania, or maybe that still hasn't happened yet. I feel like a terrible fan for not even paying attention to that. No, it's okay. But, uh, no, they, they they definitely, with the original, the first one, All In, that you mentioned, they, they turned heads. They definitely gained a lot of notice. That's why you have people like Chris Jericho that are fully supporting AEW. That's why I have big names in the indie leagues with New Japan Wrestling. You had Kenny Omega coming over. There's now also rumors with Dean Ambrose leaving WWE mm-hmm. potentially going to AEW. Uh, but there's a lot of people, they are buying into what AEW is promising and hopefully what they deliver with things as, such as like full-time and uh, healthcare, having some control over your character and storylines. Obviously, they can't have everybody be winners because then that would be just too convulsed. But they're basically just giving, they're at least promising more than what WWE is currently offering. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Double or Nothing isn't until uh, the 25th of May. So you're, you're good. And that's going to be at the MGM. So it's going to be a pretty big event. And then and you're going to have all of all of the names there. You know, Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, uh, Legion Bros versus the Young Bucks. So it should be a pretty good card. And even points to other promotions who aren't AEW who are still kind of like tangentially connected. So the Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling coming together for the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden the same weekend of WrestleMania 35. So even... I don't think it was like supposed to be there. I think they had to move it around. But even though it was the same weekend as like the Super Bowl of pro wrestling, they still had it there and it was still pretty successful. So during the pre-sale, 60% of the tickets were sold with the remaining 15,000 tickets selling within 16 minutes of them going on sale. And the G1 Supercard was the first professional wrestling event at Madison Square Garden by a promotion not owned by McMahon family since november 14th 1960 yeah you just don't get that venue they just don't hand it to you that's yeah. it's that's uh that's where a lot of major events occur you have to earn that the fact that you know g1 supercard has that and the fact that you know aw already has that that's that's big that means something you know yeah. the funny thing is we brought up madison square garden and i guess if you go listen to episode 10 we have our guest tim on there and poor Tim has not seen anything big at Madison Square Garden as a Knicks fan in forever. <laughs> we love you, Tim. I'm sorry that you're a Knicks fan. <laughs> um, so like these two promotions, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, definitely have their own cult followings since we typically see you know, their stars go to NXT or more than likely the WWE. But I think they find maybe like we found like this footing with these team ups. And if they're able to go into these big promotions and get Madison Square Garden, um, if they're able to kind of work with um, um, AEW and go perform at MGM, maybe they'll stay. And maybe like these promotions will be able to kind of grow to the size of and we'll have those wars like we had for, you know, ECW and things. Or maybe, you know, AEW can kind of you know, merge and we have like this one big thing versus the WWE. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to see that 
Um, and if they get you know some kind of TV deal, maybe we'll have like Monday Night Wars like back in the day, and it can bring in more fans. I think the only problem with kind of these new promotions is that their women's divisions aren't as strong as um, WWE's, especially with WWE kind of pushing to finally have a better women's division. So I think it's like maybe like their only um, kind of drawback at the moment. But I think the future is bright for these new promotions and um, these old promotions kind of banding to kind of together to kind of compete on the bigger scales. And that's kind of all I have. We're about, you know, hour 20 ish, which is longer than I thought we were going to do for this, this recap. Um, we did not do fan, but why those, because I did not put out a tweet and it's my fault and I am sorry. Uh, but if you have some thoughts, let us know. And if you have some final thoughts, I guess we can give our final thoughts and wrap up and, Go watch AEW on May 25th. Uh, my final thoughts are it's wrestling. I'm glad we got to talk about it. I'm still probably never going to end up watching wrestling. Um, it still seems weird as much as like the athleticism and everything that goes into it that have sadly it all come down to basically writers. <clears throat> and that's kind of disheartening a lot of times, especially when you try to compare it. Like, you know, if we talk about like we talk about a few other sports of like, you can have storylines in other sports, but what it comes down to is the actual athletes for most of the time versus here, it, it sadly seems to come down to the writers. Um, it does seem like it's turning and we'll see what happens. Um, I do know with the Japan stuff that you talked about and some of these other things, it might last. We'll see. It's a weird thing. It's definitely going to be having something that's going to get a foothold, but its sustainability will be interesting to see. I'm glad you all enjoy it. Uh, Kate? So, I mean, it's really, it's really interesting to kind of talk about this. And I feel like I talked more than I thought I was going to, but it's, it's something that, I mean, I used to love pro wrestling and just kind of like listen to you guys talk about it. Like, it's awesome to hear you get excited about it. And it's also something that like, if I had more time to watch things, I wouldn't mind just being like a, a, a meme fan. I, th I think that's what I'm going to call people who like, like a thing without actually ever consuming the thing is a meme fan. Like, I'm a meme fan right now. Um, and I, I kind of wouldn't mind learning more about at least, like, the characters that I've mentioned going on. And at least it seems like you're going to get better writers. But it is also one of those things, like Matt said, where it's just kind of like, well, fuck, I know all these people are super athletic. And you're they're still dependent on writers. Um, but at this point, I think the most wrestling I've actually consumed by watching was actually watching, I think, like, two seasons of Total Bellas or whatever, because I needed something to turn my brain off, and it was a reality show that was recommended to me after I watched the newest season of, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta. So, uh, Hulu, thank you. You put that into my life. And, uh. I do have a quick question before you guys get to your final thoughts as we talk about these two things. Is everything basically, I guess, accessibility for like actual being able to watch these shows, are these all pay-per-views? Are they all like have to be accessed through like stuff like that? Or can like actual people just like go and consume this without having to pay like $90? Oh, there's other ways to consume it. So I know USA, USA, I think it's still USA. God, I don't even pay attention because I usually watch it at the bars. I just remember the channel number is, but you can go ahead and watch on Monday and Tuesday nights. So Monday's the Raw brand, Tuesday is the SmackDown brand. You could watch it fully as it is at, that, at those times. But then also Hulu has uh, a kind of deal with uh, WWE to where you can kind of watch an almost abridged version 
of the promotion, either promotion, whether it be Raw or SmackDown, on Hulu. So they usually kind of just cut out some of the, the filler, the other things that are going to happen. You get straight to the matches and maybe some of the more important storylines. Okay. Yeah, or you could get the WWE Network for nine ninety nine. I was waiting for somebody to do that. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. And, um, Anthony, you want to give us our last final thoughts? Yeah, sure. I think that... Right now is a great time to be a wrestling fan or even somebody who's just getting into wrestling, especially with the uh, growing potential of AEW. Even WWE in itself, again, we're seeing the women's division finally being taken a lot lot more seriously, getting the kind of recognition that they deserve. And I'm just really excited to see what the future of pro wrestling is going to be like. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Um, I'm in a lot of the same boat, so I don't think I need to give anything because I kind of talked the whole time. Uh, Kate, you want to take us out? You don't have to do it like, you know, Jim Ross or anything like that. You can just take us out normally. That's fine. I expect Jim Ross from now on now that I know that's possible. Oh my God, he's broken in half. He's got a family, damn it. Um, yeah, so before we wrap up, or I mean, we already wrapped up, but I do want to let you know that we are uh, Gamer Grind partners. So if you don't know what Gamer Grind is, it's a coffee company made for gamers. And if you want some money off and you want some new coffee, you can use our promo code, but why though, uh, spelled like our podcast name, uh, on checkout at gamergrind.co. Um, and I know all y'all like coffee. And transitioning, Anthony, where can everybody find you? Because you just imparted a lot of wisdom on at least me as a non-wrestling person. Uh, you can find me as part of Ready Comics Roll on just about any place that has social media. Uh, just about any place you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to the Ready Comics Roll podcast, whether it be Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and so on. Maybe even PodCoin in the near future. Who knows? And we also have a YouTube channel where we have a lot of great video content on there as well. Uh, we are kind of just a renaissance group uh, of people that are just trying to educate and entertain and hopefully be able to do both at the same time. And most importantly, you can actually find us on the But Why Though podcast website where you can also listen to a lot of other exceptional podcasts as well. Thanks, Anthony. It was yes. great having you. Um, and if you have not done so already and you are listening to this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you are listening. It is the best way to help us out. It helps other people see us and it pulls us up in those numbers. And uh, you can find us if you want to join the conversation at But Why the PC on all social media. And you can find me at Omemith Randier on Twitter. Adrian? Yep. You can find me on Twitter. At Super Reese 93, S U P E R R U I Z 93. Matt? I'm swinging from the Raptors. From the Raptors? I can swing on Raptors too. The Raptors. <laughs> it works. It, it works. It, it all works. Oh, wait, I think. Raptor in some, in, in some WWE thing. 